the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Get ready for the 2020 Bible Challenge. It's not like any Bible challenge we have done before. Our goal is to help you dig in and grab a hold of the foundational truths of our faith. So we have broken the year up into sections according to topic. From salvation and stewardship to forgiveness, baptism, and more. We will dive into the scriptures that cover more than 25 subjects. Visit gracebiblechallenge.com. That's gracebiblechallenge.com to sign up and join the 2020 Bible Challenge. Go beyond just reading. Strengthen your knowledge and deepen your understanding of God's Word with in-depth studies on what the Bible says about these essential spiritual truths. To sign up and join the 2020 Bible Challenge, go to gracebiblechallenge.com today. That's gracebiblechallenge.com and get ready to grow in God's Word. We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit DerekGreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us and empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr. Greer. I know some folks have been challenged by the book of Job as well as the book of Isaiah that we are reading through. So I selected Job this morning to give you a little bit more of a foundation so that as you read the book, it makes sense and your experience is as rich as possible. Are you ready for the word? All right, Job chapter 1 and verse 1. Now this is the Bible's introduction to not only Job, the entire book of Job. It says, there was a man in the land of Uz. The rabbis tell us that Job was a Gentile. He was not uh, a descendant of Abraham or a Jew. And from the geography, our best guess is that he was an Arab. You know, God wants a relationship with both the Arabs and the Jews. Does anyone believe that? You know, we'd have a whole lot more peace on earth if we, if we loved our, our children as much as we hated our enemies. That's really important. But sometimes we so hate our enemies, we, we have our, our children let out to slaughter, etc. And we, 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 we got to make sure our love is always greater than, than, than hate. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. 
Now, just his name uh, itself tells us a whole lot about what we're going to read in this narrative. Uh, The word that uh, Job comes from in the Hebrew is actually a word for hostility. And, And it means one who has been treated roughly or harshly. How many in this room other than me has ever felt like God has ever hit you beneath the belt? Okay, just five of us. I'm the only one here that tells the truth, just me and these five people. How many in this room ever feel like God has ever hit you beneath the belt? Yeah, all of us are sinners in need of redemption, and and we don't always get it. And uh, actually, this book was written to help us uh, get it. It says, his name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright. Job was uh, one of the most generous people of his time. Uh, In fact, he was really, you know, pretty much as good as it gets. Uh, We're about to read some things. Matter of fact, turn to John, uh, Job, I'm sorry, 29, verse 12. I want you to listen to the things Job says about himself. And he's saying it to men that are trying to discredit him, meaning it must be true. Otherwise, the men listening would have raised objections. But how many of us could speak about ourselves the way Job speaks of himself? Verse 12. He said, because I delivered the poor who cried out. So as a leader, you know, in, in, in the ancient world, matter of fact, in much of our globe today, you only get as much justice as you can afford. So if you didn't have a big enough bribe, you did not get justice. So Job was a man, a magistrate, if you will, uh, a king. Uh, we'll get to that, and we'll flesh that out, and understand, you'll understand why I said that, uh, that didn't only protect those that could offer him a bribe or, or, or something. He goes on to say, the fatherless and the one who had no helper, he also delivered her. You know, a person's character... It's not measured by what they have, but by what they give. And we see the, the generosity and the graciousness of, uh, of Job. The blessing of a perishing man came upon me, meaning Job even blessed the dying. He was, you know, it's kind of a Mother Teresa, if you will, uh, of the ancient world. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. So he also provided for survivors and, and, and widows who were the weakest in the culture at that time. He said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. So as a ruler, he had absolutely no regrets. I was eyes to the blind, meaning he helped the vulnerable. This is the man that uh, is being introduced here. And I was feet to the lame. He, he helped people who couldn't help themselves. I was a father to the poor and I searched out their case that I did not know. So basically all this saying is he was a role model to the poor. He even helped foreigners. Uh, The Talmud actually says that he created some type of hotel in the Middle East. I don't know if this is true or not, but it it had a door coming from the north, south, east, and west, and each direction. So uh, travelers could come and rest and he didn't charge him anything. So so spiritually, Job was a bad boy. He he was unlike many of his time and and few uh, even uh, today, Job chapter 1, Let, let's continue the introduction to Job. And Job feared God. So he, he, he loved God, but he developed a deep reverence and, and awe of the Holy One. And, uh, uh, but the next statement we're going to read is very, very rare. He says, he feared God and he what? Shunned evil. So he not only loved God, he hated sin. 
You see, a lot of folks say, well, you know, I hate sin. Uh, probably not. <laughs> you see, the hatred of someone else's sin does not impress God. It's when you hate your own sin that God's impressed. And a lot of folks, we hate other people's sin. But our own sin, well, you know, I was raised, you know, and my mom and dad, and if you've been, you know, no, 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 no. The Bible said he shunned. He personally, in his own life, shunned evil. In verse 2, it said he had seven sons. And male children were a sign of blessing in the ancient world because, you know, boys, uh, girls did a lot of things too, but boys could really help on the farm and lift the heavier stuff. And, and, and you know, it was great help uh, on the farm. So, so he seemed to be blessed of God in a tremendous way. Seven sons, the number of perfection, and three daughters were, were born in him, three little girls. So we see here uh, Job... Uh, uh, he kind of uh, was a consummate family man and had the consummate family. Then it says, also his possessions. So it starts with Job's character. Secondly, he mentions uh, Job's family. And only third does he get to his stuff. So when you measure people, don't start with their stuff. <laughs> start with their character. And if you want to judge a man, look at his wife. If you want to judge a woman, look at her husband. I got real quiet. <laughs> the proof of my ministry is the woman that stands next to me. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? What does it profit me to gain a whole world and to lose my own sons? So we see here that there's a tremendous blessing on him, and we see God's priorities as it relates to how his blessings are described. It said also in his possessions were 7,000 Sheep. So Job not only had a great family, he also had incredible wealth. Now, in this period, prosperity was not measured by, by coins and money. You know, they, they didn't really have currency the way we have today, greenbacks, if you will. Uh, it was measured not by paper money, but by uh, land and by uh, livestock. So the number of sheep mentioned in this particular verse is really not just about, you know, lamb chops, how many lamb chops he could eat and how much wool he could provide to, to, for his family. It, it also indicated how much land he owned. And, and this is why the, the, the text hints at he was probably a king in the Near East, because it required a couple thousand acres to support these many sheep. Now, sheep graze lands, and you could only graze on your own land. So... Obviously, he had thousands of acres to have 7,000 uh, sheep that were part of his herd. But then it continues and says he had 3,000 camels. And don't just read over these parts in the Bible. They all mean something. Uh, camels in the ancient world were kind of like the freight trains, if you would. And, and, you know, a camel traveled long distances without needing a whole lot of water. And, and he didn't eat a whole lot of, of food. So Job was obviously a trader uh, throughout the, the Middle East as well as northern Africa. Very, very prominent uh, king, if you will. Uh, then it continues and says 500 yoke of oxen. Now, oxen were used to plow land. In fact, uh, the English measure of an acre comes from how much an ox can plow in one day. So the, the, the size of an acre is not arbitrary. It's just what an ox could do from sunrise uh, to sunset. So if Job needed 500 oxen, he had at least 500 acres of farmland. So this is a massive tract, and this is not the type of wealth typically that just a merchant has. 
This is the type of wealth of a, a king. Then he continues and said, on top of that, he had 500 donkeys. Now, to us, it's like, what's the big deal with, with, with the mules and the donkeys and stuff? Well, in that time, um, they didn't drink cow's milk. Uh, they might drink goat's milk, but primarily they drank donkey's milk. And actually, that's still practiced today. It's, it's a sweet milk, if you will, and I've never had it. I don't plan on trying it, but... <laughs> But the fact uh, he mentioned female donkeys lets you know that, you know, he was kind of flowing with milk and, and, and honey, if you will. And, and, and he was just uh, a man with all of his needs met and, and all those that served him as well. And a very large household or a very large staff. Again, he's like a local king here. So that this man was the greatest and the wealthiest. Is that what the Bible says? Yeah. Of all people of the East. And by the way, this is important. A lot of people do not let the Bible get in the way of their Christianity. And, and you know, we, we have our various traditions, and, and what the Bible said doesn't matter. It's what pastor, pastor, you know, the last church told me. And, and that's a problem. We must allow the Scripture to teach us and to train us, to guide us in our thinking. The idea that wealth is evil is unbiblical. Now, you find it in the church, you find this idea in the church, but it's not in the Bible. God has no problem with people having money as long as money doesn't what? Have you. Okay. Understand it. The Bible doesn't have any qualms with the the problem's not money. Timothy teaches it's the love of money. It's when you put money above friendship, money above family, money uh, above God. That's when it becomes an issue. But when money's in its right place, it's a tool and an instrument. Without money, we couldn't build this building. Without money, we couldn't have the lights on. Without resources, we couldn't be doing many of the things we do. So money has its proper place, but not in the first spot. Not even the second or third spot. When you get your priorities in line, money can actually be a blessing. Did I just say that correctly? Does anybody agree with me in the room? All right. Let's get back to Job's family. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day. So we see here Job's kids like to party, a lot like some of our kids. How many of y'all have some kids that like to party? Y'all, y'all, so, y'all so churchy, acting like your kids are so spiritual. Stop it, tell the truth. And he would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with him. So it's a, a tight-knit clan here. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. This is important because Job took being a dad seriously. There was no Levitical priesthood, if you will, and the dad was the priest of the home. And we need to get back to that where it's not just mama caring for the spirituality of the children. It's not just mama bringing the kids to church, but daddy's praying with the boys and the girls, and, and daddy cares about developing the character and the rest. So we see that Job is he's a good man and, and, and again, a loving father. And, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them also. We see here we're not the first generation to worry a little bit about our kids. And we're not the first ones to wonder where they are at night, hoping they're not pushing this thing too far. For Job said, it might be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. 
You see, he knew that his children could be a little bit irreverent at times. And and here's the deal. When you have grown children, they might be your children, but they're grown. They're making decisions for themselves. I can manage my kids when they're under my roof and in my house. But as grown men, they are developing and and grown daughters, they're developing and uh, they're making choices uh, uh, of their their own. And, And here's the deal. You need to be honest with yourself about who your kids really are. Not just honest about who you want them to be, but who they really are. And Job did this regularly. Again, so far a good man, a vigilant dad, a a, a fun-loving family. Who really could ask for more? Look at the picture Scripture has painted. But then the black clouds came rolling in. Now there was a day. The New Testament calls it the evil day. And the New Testament says, in the evil day, stand. And after doing all to stand, stand. So evil days are going to come. You can't stop the evil day. You know, you've heard songs. Mama told me that there'd be days like this. And it may not look at it. Actually, I'm kind of having a day today. So I feel like I'm preaching from my heart when I'm telling you. But we will all have difficult days. And this was Job's particular day. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. That seems strange, but the imagery is of a Near Eastern uh, king holding court here. And it would be comparable to the president of the United States uh, inviting in his cabinet or, or having a cabinet meeting, if you will. But then it says, and Satan also, meaning Satan was not part of God's cabinet. But somehow he also came among them. So again, the cabinet walked in, and behind the Secretary of State was Osama bin Laden. Now, you'd expect God to call security. But what's interesting is God is completely silent. There's no alarm. There's no fear. See, if the devil walked into my house, I might feel some kind of way. But but God is intimidated. He is unintimidated. He is unthreatened. See, it it, it bothered me at at first, but then it dawned on me. God's not scared of Satan. God... That would be like a little ant coming onto this stage and me, you know, we're talking about security. You see, God is not a, 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 he's not a man. God is the creator. You see, God became a man and he humbled himself to, to do that and he added humanity to deity, but that, that's an aside. But God's an eternal spirit. And when Satan came in, there's no alarm. And again, we read our own response into these scriptures, and we get mad at God because he didn't react the way we would act, react. But, but again, God is, is God, and he is creator, and Satan is creature. Rudeness is a weak man's imitation of strength. That'll sink in. So if you're always rude and nasty... It's really because you're scared and weak. 
Let me tell you something about me. I'm not the worst when I'm disappointed or mad. I'm the worst when I'm afraid. When I feel afraid, I start feeling aggressive. I start wanting to say some things out of character. Can anybody? Because everybody in here is so holy, I don't know if I'm talking to the right room. But God was not at all threatened. And the Lord said to Satan, hey, Stinky, where you been? He said, from where do you come? You see, immediately we see who was in control. God was what was the interrogator, not the interrogated. He's asking the questions. So Satan answered the Lord, and he had better answer. And he said, well, Lord, uh, I haven't really found the type of resting place I'm looking for. The devil's not as happy as you think. From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Remember, this is what happened to Cain. And and this was a, he called himself a wanderer. So uh, the devil, again, you're talking about I'm going to hell because there's going to be a party down there. They're the most miserable bunch. Uh, But I'm off uh, the subject here. Well, he said, I've been walking back and forth on, on, on the earth. You see, even the devil has to give an account to God. So I don't understand why people act like they won't. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you, I don't even know when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Okay, good. Then we're on the same page. He said, have you considered my servant Job? A more literal reading of this scripture is, haven't you set your heart on my servant Job? So the picture here is that Satan was like a three-legged cat trying to catch a mouse. And evil always wants most what it cannot have. Satan wants you more than the day is long. And the reason he fights for you so much and wants you so bad is because he can't have you. Because God has marked you. He's put his name on you. And here's the deal. As much as he might want you, if God has marked you, he will keep you. The devil is a devil, but God is God. Don't confuse the two. Never confuse the two. Never. He said, have you considered Job? There's none like him in all the earth. A blameless and upright man. You see God's chest kind of filling up and poking out. One who fears God and, and shuns evil. God just exposed Satan's impotence. As hard as he tried, he wasn't able to break through in Job's life. So God might as well have smacked Satan in the face when he said this. So Satan, the Lord, gets all defensive. Does Job fear God for nothing? You see, Satan is the ultimate cynic. He couldn't find fault with Job's actions, so he questioned his motives. And we got to be careful about adopting the spirit of Satan. When we question everybody's motives, we're so cynical and darkened. You know, judgmentalism 
is the, dispro- the, the, the disapproval of people not for having faults, but for having faults that aren't like mine. You see, people that have problems like me, I can sympathize. You know, I get that. But as soon as your problem's a little bit different than mine, all of a sudden I'm better than you. I'm looking down my nose at you. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer, the radio broadcast ministry of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live big. Listen to this message and much more from Dr. Greer for free at gracechurchva.org. We invite you to join Dr. Greer and the Grace Church family here in Dumfries, Virginia, not far from Quantico Marine Base. We would love to meet you and have you join us for worship, teaching, and fellowship every Sunday and Wednesday. Get directions, service times, and much more at gracechurchva.org. That's our time for today. Join us weekdays at this time for the teaching ministry of Dr. Derek Greer. And remember, until next time, live big. God wants you to live a life that's big, a life that's bigger than yourself and inspired by the vision he has just for you. The challenge is that sometimes we get stuck on the journey. Things become stagnant and and keep us from living up to our full potential. We know that sometimes, you know, things need to change, but we just don't know what or how. When this happens, the, the big question we must ask ourselves is how do I get unstuck? How do I break free from these limitations? To help you identify where you are on your journey to living big, I've developed an assessment tool that will reveal where you are and and where you're stuck. Based on your individual results, this tool will point you towards resources that are going to help you remove barriers and, and, and keep you moving forward. This assessment is completely free. Not only that, once you complete the assessment, you'll be directed to a page where you can claim a free copy of my brand new book, 120 Minutes to Live Big. Don't settle for mediocrity, live big. Let's get started by visiting canilivebig.com and let's visit it today. That's canilivebig.com.